morning. It's great to see you here today. This morning, we're going to continue in the second message of this series on how to uh, have the right approach to life. We're going to talk on, I think, a real critical area of life, and that's how to make a godly, wise decision about the direction of your life instead of a foolish one. And so that's going to be the essence of our message uh, today. It's a little bit of a different message, so I want to kind of set this up for you. Let's say you came to me, and we're just having a conversation, and you, have a, you say, I have this major decision to make, or I'm looking for a life direction. That's going to be the essence of this message this morning. That's how I'm going to talk with you. And the questions that I often uh, are posed to me that I end up having deep conversation with people about is, should I marry this person? And uh, another one might be, um, I'm looking at this new job, and I don't know if I should take this new job or stay with my old job, and uh, could you give me some advice on what you think I ought to do? Um, uh, A frequent one I get, too, is we're thinking about moving, and uh, don't know if we should or shouldn't move, and would like to just talk to you for a few moments on that. Um, sometimes I get the questions are a little uh, easier. Should I commit to volunteering in this area? Or, you know, should I make this major purchase? Should I buy a car? Uh, how much is it okay for a Christian to spend on a car? Uh, how much should I spend in a house? You know, how extravagant? Is it sinful to be overly extravagant? Um, you know, uh, should I give to this organization? Or uh, I like this one. Should I try to reconcile with a broken relationship of a family member? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But usually the question behind the question is, I don't know how to do that, and how do I begin to do it? Um, uh, A frequent one I get, especially in this area of the country, is should I go back to school and pursue a new career? A lot of people are in school right now, and they're saying, I don't know what to major in. And I, I end up saying anymore, just major in something. It doesn't matter that much. You'll change in a few years anyway, amen? And so, you know, just don't overthink it. Um, I I know that we have a lot of young families in this area, and a frequent discussion I'll get into uh, with some of the young families is something like this. I'm trying to figure out what we should do with our kids in terms of education. Should we put them in public school, private school? Should we homeschool? What do you think? I've done all three, by the way. And so, yeah, that's usually an interesting conversation. Um, Bigger questions is, I want to make my life different. I don't know if I'm making my life different. I don't want to make my life count for something. I want to know I'm living out the plan that God has for my life. So as we begin this message, I want you to engage. Think of a situation you're facing right now that you're wondering, God, what is your plan for me? What is your direction for me in this specific situation? If you think that way, this message will be much more meaningful to you uh, this morning. So with this uh, bit of background, I want to give you a qualification uh, to, to the format. This is not a linear message. It's seven unrelated points. You have to think of it this way. We're sitting at Perkins or a bistro if you're a young person. And I'm having my nectarine because that's what I would eat and something like that. These are fantastic nectarines. My wife picked these up. Normally, I'm not a nectarine fan, but these puppies are good. So I don't know where she got them from. So if you want to know, go at the information center after church and ask where she got the nectarines. At any rate, 
most likely some of you have been eating this nice sprinkled long john. Kyle Marker, who's not here today, this would be something he would eat. It has to look like a kid would like it. It has to be colorful and full of sprinkles or whatever. He would get a blizzard that's, bub- uh, not bubblegum, cotton candy. Cotton candy blizzard. Whenever he does that, I'm going, oh, gross. But, you know, he's a little kid at heart, so you can harass Kyle about that. By the way, the long john's up for grabs after service. First come, first get, I guess. Because I'm not going to eat that thing. So, at any rate. Um, so, we're sitting here having a meal, and we're, we're talking. We're just visiting. And you would bring up the topic matter to me, Pastor Steve, I have this question, and I don't know how to find God's, you know, direction in my life. That's this message. And so just pretend we're eating, and I'm just having a conversation with you, okay? And that's kind of how the flow of the message will go. And if you don't like the flow of the message this week, it'll change next week, so no, no big deal, right? Um, I'm going to begin with what I think is the obvious Um, And I'll get to the obvious in a moment, but oftentimes the obvious isn't followed. Even though it's obvious, we don't obviously follow it. And oftentimes what happens is people think, I'm the exception to the rule, even if it's obvious. Let me give you an example. A few years back, Vicki and I were vacationing out west, and we came upon this great big reservoir. And for some reason, they had signs up saying no RV traffic. Okay. And I soon found out why they were saying this. This was temporary signage, okay? And so we're driving down this road, and all of a sudden we run into a traffic jam. And I go, oh, what in the world's going on here? Well, here's what had happened. There's a two-lane road that ran across the back of the, uh, of the reservoir. It's built up on the, you know, the earthen embankment that made the reservoir, the dam. And it, it's got a two-lane highway with guardrails on both sides. They were moving the most massive pontoon I have ever seen in my life from one side of that reservoir to the other. I mean, this was a big honking, honking pontoon. The pontoon parts were bigger in diameter than I am tall. They were just, this thing was massively large, okay? I mean, it looked like a house, a full-size house on floaties. So they're moving that along the two-lane highway across the top of the reservoir, and there's just barely enough room for cars to squeak by on the other side going way over his shoulder. Well, one RV driver thought, I'm the exception to the rule. They can't mean I can't drive my RV across this thing. I surely can. I don't have to wait. And what had happened was he was wedged between the guardrail and the pontoon, and they couldn't go either direction because they didn't fit. And the guy who was leading the charge for the pontoon was out there in a lot of animation, waving his arms around. I could see this was not a happy guy. And they were trying to get that RV guy to back up. And in the meantime, we were all watching. And I was up kind of a high elevation, kind of went down. And I said, well, Tviki, the good news is we have a great view. The bad news is we're sitting here while we have this view, watching this RV try to figure out how to back up because he thought he was the exception to the rule. So, So even though some things are obvious, we don't follow them because we think we're the exception. So here's the first part of advice I would give to someone really trying to to figure out God's direction for their life in a decision. If the proposed direction, whatever you're you're discussing for a decision, if it violates the teachings of Jesus, if it violates the teachings of the apostle of the New Testament, if it violates any part of the Bible, don't do it. You are not the exception. Don't do it. Your answer is has already been given to you. Now it's a matter of obedience. Watch out that you don't think you're 
an exception to the rule that will get you in trouble every time. So here's a question I want you to ponder this morning. Where in your life have you thought that you were the exception? Chances are you're not in God's will there. You're not following God's direction for you. If you're thinking, I'm the exception, I don't have to follow God in this particular way, then you're out of his plans for your life. And you need to rethink that and get back into his plans. But think about where in your life have you thought, I'm the exception here, God. You know, I know this, this is what I'm supposed to do, but for some reason you don't think it applies to you. And here's a reflection thought I want you to consider on this first uh, point. I know I fall in this category. I know a lot of people fall in this category frequently. We are often focused on what should I do. That just consumes us. Like when I was in college, I remember thinking, do I want to be a math teacher? Do I want to go into physics or whatever? And I ended up being a mechanical engineer. But I remember thinking, ah, oh, man, this is such a big, important, honking decision, right? What should I do? What should I do? And oftentimes we're thinking, what house should I buy? What car should I buy? What career should I pursue? What woman should I pursue as a wife? What man should I pursue as a husband? We're thinking about the what. And I tell you this, Jesus is more focused on how you should do life. Are you doing it for his glory? That's the next point. The right direction is to do all things for the glory of Jesus. And that's what I think Christ is more interested in. He's not so interested in what car you're buying. Although, you know, there's nothing wrong with bringing that to him. Of course, right? But he's, he's more interested in how are you buying it? How are you presenting yourself? How are you interacting with the salesperson? You know, what's your demeanor as you're doing it? Is it one of humility and thankfulness for what you're getting? Or is it one of, I think I deserve this? You know, he's more interested in the how you're doing it. First Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. If you'll follow that simple rule, it'll put you on the course of right direction for your life because you're doing it in the right way. Let's go to point two. My second you know, bit of advice would be uh, to someone that's trying to make this real major decision is be careful not to make life direction setting decisions um, in reaction, in reaction to a hardship, to a criticism, uh, to a dry season in your life. Paul, as he writes to the Corinthian church, uh, puts forth a defense of Uh, of his ministry, so to speak. He says, man, I've endured these hardships. I've endured all this criticism. But yet he concluded, I'm still following after Christ. I'm still doing the ministry he's called me to do. What Paul was saying was, in spite of hardships and in spite of criticism, I've decided to do the ministry that Christ has called me to do. These things aren't directing my life. What's directing my life is my following after the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to really be careful in our life that we don't make decisions decisions because of hardships and criticisms, and that becomes the directional force of our decision-making. Just be wary of, of that. That is not a good way, usually, to make the right kind of decision. I've seen a lot of people quit a job because it's hard, and a year later really regret that decision. They quit because their boss was hard. Maybe a coworker was hard. Maybe it was just, you know, tough on them mentally or whatever. And then they look back and go, oh, that was a bad decision. Yeah, because you made the decision in reaction to hardship. I've seen a lot of folks give up on their marriages because they're hard. And there's criticism there. I want to just tell you something here today. I say this in the love of Jesus Christ, all right? Are you hearing me? If you're married, it's hard. Amen? Unless you have 
some secret I don't know of, if you're married and you're with another human being, it's hard. It's just hard to get along at times. It's hard to agree at times. So just kind of remember that when you're looking at marriage. It's going to be hard. Don't make decisions in reaction to that. I think oftentimes what we're missing out on is that the Lord Jesus wants you and I to learn how to persevere through hard things, to learn how to persevere through dry seasons and criticisms, and come out the other side more established in Jesus Christ than ever, and experiencing what it means to be more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I see a lot of decisions made to try to escape something that God is allowing in your life to develop some character in you. So if you were talking to me and you're looking at making a decision and I thought you were making it in reaction to a hardship, I'd go right to the hardship and say, why are you trying to escape that? What's God trying to do in it? Okay? That would be my advice to you. Now, I understand there are some situations. Yep. They're appropriately hard and you ought to try to figure out how to get out of it. Amen? But a lot of times, God is just developing God the character in us through our lives. Um, Here's the third thing I would say. I'm going to get real practical. How will the proposed direction or change that you're considering in your life use your abilities and your spiritual gifts? Because oftentimes, that should be part of the direction-setting kind of focus you should have for your life. Uh, In... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this. Now about gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And then he spends the rest of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians 12, articulating these are spiritual gifts. Word to wisdom, word to knowledge, miracles, you know, signs, wonders, all that kind of stuff. He already talks about, Right? And these are often called the manifestation gift lists, by the way, because they manifest the power of God. And he says to us, I don't want you to be uninformed about these things. As a follower of Jesus Christ, some of these are going to be in you. God's going to use you in this way. And he gives another listing of spiritual gifts over in Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. He talks about uh, seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we often call these the motivational gifts because they're the gifts that kind of tell you why you do something. So if you're gifted to be prophetic, you're going to see the world black and white. If you're gifted to be merciful, these are the gifts, by the way, from Romans 12. You're going you're gonna to be sympathetic to others. If you've got leadership, you're going to organize. If you, if you, you know, have the gift of giving, you're going to give generously. You know, if you have the gift of serving, you're going to think, why doesn't everybody else serve like I serve? Okay, it's kind of the filter through the way you see life. So who are you? How has God gifted you? Are you aware of those kinds of things? How will that decision you're looking at making uh, be affected by your gift mix coming into it? Will it satisfy you? Will it become something that's frustrating to you because you're not able to use any of the natural giftedness that God has, you know, uh, endued you with? And will you, use your, will you use your talents? Will you use your abilities at all? Uh, some of us are naturally introverted. Well, if you're looking at taking a speaking job all the time, I would say, are you sure? Is that going to exhaust you? If you're, if you're not very good at math or physics and you're thinking about going into engineering, I'm going to go, huh, I don't know about that. Probably not a good fit. Probably going to be frustrating uh, for you. How does this life direction use your abilities and gifts of the Holy Spirit? Now remember, we're just talking. You're eating your long john with the sprinkles on it, right? We're just having a conversation 
And we're talking about how do I make godly decisions? How do I have the right approach uh, to my life? Here's a reflection statement. This would be a good one to talk to your spouse about or friend. Um, uh, I've been reading this and I think, woo, this is an interesting statement. Listen to what it says. It is bad stewardship to spend your life in a position that needs somebody else's talents. Interesting statement, huh? It's bad stewardship to spend your life in a position that needs somebody else's talents. Well, let's go on to the next perspective. I think this is one of the most neglected perspectives uh, by the church, by the ones who ought to know better. How does this direction or decision that you're looking at affect the kingdom of God? How does this direction or decision affect the kingdom of God? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4 tell us this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is a perspective-setting verse. It's saying, equal to your own ambitions and your own desires should be your concern for the promotion and the furtherance of God's kingdom. Now, here's what happens most of the time that I see. Someone will come to me and say, I've just taken a new job in a new city. It's in a career advancement. I'm getting more pay, and I'm having more responsibilities. Do you know of a good church there? What is wrong with that? Because that happens most of the time. And I love people to death, and I'll try to help them find a church if I know of one in that area. But what have they neglected in making that decision? Is there even a good church? Am I going to have a community of believers that I can contribute and be part of? What's God want me to do here? That probably hasn't even entered into the equation of thinking yet. And therein is the problem. Therein is is, is a real deficiency. And if you leave God out of your decision-making, special major decision-making, you're going to end up in places and wondering how you got there and why you're frustrated and why life doesn't seem very fulfilling, at least from a spiritual standpoint. So we have to realize something, that our ambitions aren't the driving, motivating factor for decision-making. Also, we have that the mindset is, how, God, does this further your kingdom, and how will I be used in that endeavor? Because I'm saying now, if you really want to seek God's direction and purposes for your life, that this will be something that you consider. Are you with me on that? I mean, I know this is a little radical. It's easier to talk to you about this before you're making a decision than after you've already done it. But what I'm entering into now is the realm of motives. Why? Why are we making the decisions that we're making? And, and, and oftentimes the motives are, are really basically my own ambition, my own anxiousness, a reaction to something I don't like, you know, uh, it, it may be, um, you know, I, someone else thinks I should do this or whatever. And these are, not, these are not good reasons for making major life decisions. There has to be some kingdom perspective mixed in here. Um, I find myself praying a lot, Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, when I'm faced with a major decision. Listen to this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So what I find myself doing, okay, God, if I'm going to make this decision that affects my family, affects my future, and hopefully affects your kingdom for your glory, uh, search my heart. 
I want to have these pure motives before you. And if I don't have pure motives, God, then I know that that way is, is, a, is a way that's offensive to you. Reveal that to me. And so that I'm led in the way of everlasting, God. I just really feel like this is good scripture for getting after your heart motives. So would you read this out loud with me? Let's read it out loud. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So this brings us to the next point that I would bring up. As we're sharing our little meal here and talking about life direction, have you honestly considered your motives for doing this or wanting to do the decision you're about to make? Have you honestly considered your motives? Whenever you're making a big life decision, any kind of life direction setting decision, what are the motives behind it? Why are you doing it? And here's where I would use Psalm 139, the scripture I just read to you. I'd ask the Lord to search my heart and reveal to me any ways that aren't of his uh, making. Now listen. This is, this is gut-wrenching stuff, guys, to do. Because sometimes God will reveal that you don't have very pure motives. And I remember years ago when I was an assistant uh, pastor here, and God called us to Williston, North Dakota, I did not want to go. I had moved from the Twin Cities to Pella, Iowa, when I was with 3M. So I went from being a city boy, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, to living in this small town of like 9,000 people. I said, what is this? This is tiny, and there's not a lot of trees. So it was like nine years after that, we moved to South Dakota, with 3M, I took a job at the, at the medical plant here. And I said, whoa, hardly any trees here. And there's a lot of wind. Wow, it blows here a lot. I'd never experienced that before. And I thought, wow, this is a kind of a cultural a change, but the people seem pretty nice. <laughs> so now God's calling us to Williston, North Dakota. And I'm going, there are no trees. I remember this first thing I said. How can you have no trees? And I went up there and said, this is barren. And it blows really bad here. And I just remember thinking, oh, God, really? And as, as I laid my heart before him, he said to me, this is the place I've called you to. You'll grow to love it because you love me. And I did. I grew to love it. I grew to love the people there. And I grew to love that place and the ministry. But initially... My reactionary response was, run for the hills from there. I won't go there. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to be there, right? And so you have to, when you're making a big decision in your life, let God search your heart and let him show you your motives and then be real enough with yourself to admit, okay, God, I don't have a good motive here. Change my heart. Then seek the Lord's guidance for your future and ask him to lead you into the way everlasting. I have a couple more suggestions for you as we close out this little talk here uh, this morning. This is really, really, really important. If you want to know God's mind on a matter, seek out godly counselors. And then you know what you do? Listen to their counsel. 
Seek out godly counsel and listen to their counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Now, why do you think we don't ask others for their counsel? I have some thoughts for you to consider of why we don't ask others for their counsel. We don't want it. We've already made up our minds, and we don't want anybody else messing up our plans. So frequently, we don't ask for counsel simply because we don't want to hear what other people may say to us. Any of you ever watched American Idol? I remember when that show first came on years and years ago. I don't watch American Idol much. I watch it just enough to know what it's about. And I remember them doing the raw edition, um, um, the raw um, editions, you know, for the show. And some of the people were terrible singers. I mean, they were horrendous, and they thought they were good. And I thought, whoa, you are just hard to listen to at all. Now, one of two things happened here, I think, in that person's life. One is they never asked anybody else, how do I sound? Do you think I sound good? Because they thought they sounded good, and they were just really, really deluded and and unaware Or possibly they had loved ones around them who had never given them the gift of telling them what they really sounded like. For some reason, they didn't want to have that conversation, and they didn't tell this person whom they loved, do you know what? You don't really sing very well. Are you aware of that? Instead, and it makes for good TV, millions and millions of people got to hear them and say, you don't sound very good. And that's how they figured out they weren't a very good singer. Ask for counsel and listen to what others say. There's another reason I think sometimes that we don't ask for godly counsel is we don't have any resources of that nature in our lives that we know of. We don't have any close relationships with other people and and trusting relationships where we can say, hey, what do you think here? And, And get some honest feedback. And oftentimes, what I found in my life is when I begin to think that way is that God will bring unlikely counselors into my life if I'm just willing to be open to it. I remember when I was first considering going into ministry uh, as a vocation, I was working at 3M in this plant right here across town. And um, kind of in a quandary, because Pastor Tim at the time was offering me an assistant pastoring job, and I just didn't know if I wanted to do that. And I'd gone through the schooling mostly, and I thought, oh, what a major life change. I'm facing here, and I talked to lots of people. And one evening I was talking to Vicki, and she said, I think you should ask your dad what he thinks. And I remember saying, yeah, but, you know, he doesn't know Jesus. And what's he going to think of this decision? He brags all the time to his buddies about his engineering son and blah, blah, blah. He, he, you know, he's proud of what I've done here. Now I'm telling him I'm going to leave all that behind and, and be an assistant pastor. I don't know how this is going to go over. And I didn't really want to call him, but she, she was persistent. So I called him one evening, not knowing how that conversation would go at all. And here's what I had said to Vicki. If my dad is adamantly saying I shouldn't do this, I'm not going to do it. So I kind of put myself out there a little bit because I thought, yeah, God can work through unlikely counselors. So I remember calling dad up and saying, 
what was going on, and there was just a moment of quietness. <laughs> I thought, oh, he's going to tell me I'm just loony toony, you know, and losing it. What am I thinking? And uh, he said, Steve, you haven't been happy for a while, have you? And I said, well, no. But that's not the reason I'm making this decision, Dad. It's not about my happiness, sir. He goes, yeah, I know. He goes, do you think that this will make you happy? Now, that's his language. I wouldn't use that language because pastoring doesn't make you happy. <laughs> Looking at Pastor Aaron as I say that. Pastoring does not make you happy. So if you think I'll go be a pastor and be happy, please don't, don't put those two together. That doesn't work that way. And so I said, well, I don't think it'll make me happy, Dad, but I think it's probably what I should do and what I, I feel like God is leading me to do. I thought, I might as well just say what I think. And then there was another moment of, of, of just kind of pausing, and he said, you know what, Steve, life's short. You should do it. You should make the change. And the Lord will bless you. He used those kind of words. And I'm going, what just happened? Because I never expected that, counselor, that kind of counsel from my dad. And I remember thinking, this is done now. I'm making this step. See, wisdom is found in many advisors. And God worked through some of the most unlikely counselors. Amen? We just have to have humility and we have to ask. I'm surprised frequently how little I get asked about things. How little time, I mean, I've had lots of life experiences and lots of things, and sometimes people are sitting there and they're telling me, you know, all this stuff. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's a bad decision. Yep, that's not going to work. No, that's stupid. Yeah, but they're not asking. And I think, oh, you'll find out. It's called the school of hard knocks. It's a hard way to learn about life. That's the way you want to learn about life. Good for you. Go for it, man. More power to you, right? Amen. And so sometimes we have concerts all around us. We just have to open our eyes up and, and seek out their advice. Now, if you've gone through all these things I've just shared with you this morning and you still don't know what to do, what do you do if you still don't know what to do? Proverbs 16.9 kind of answers that question for us. It says this, In their hearts, human plan their course, but the Lord established their steps. So here's what I would suggest you do. If you still don't know what to do and you still want to discern God's direction for your life in a, in a critical, major kind of decision-making area, well, make plans that take into consideration the above points I just shared with you and then count on the Lord to direct. Just count on the Lord to direct. We are people of faith, amen? At some times in our life, things just aren't clear. So step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to do this because this is the best thing I know what to do right now, but I'm going to count on the fact that you love me and you're sovereign over my life and you'll direct my footsteps, amen? And then be willing to listen to him when he opens and closes doors because oftentimes the way he directs you is he shuts down something and he opens something. Okay, don't fight against that. Just be obedient to it. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. Very rarely do you get to this last place. If you'll just take into consideration the first six things we talked about this morning, very rarely do you get to this last place. Most of the time, you'll see God's direction. It'll become apparent to you. And then be obedient and step into it. Let's pray, and then we'll close with a song this morning. Lord God, I want to thank you for your direction in our lives. Lord, I want to thank you that our lives are bigger than our own ambitions. There's a kingdom of God thing at work in our lives. I pray that we're aware of that and that uh, that's in the mindset of when we make decisions, Lord. And I pray, you know, 
for the basics to be something we adhere to. First of all, God, if anything we're trying to do violates your teachings, it's just obvious we're not supposed to do that. So grace us, Lord, to be obedient followers. And then, Lord, as we get into these major decision-making uh, moments, I pray, Lord, it wouldn't be because of reactionary uh, kinds of, uh, of pressures, Lord, to hardships and criticisms, but Lord God, that we'd press into, into your will for our lives. I remember Ron Loveland telling me, a mentor at 3M, a godly man saying, Steve, you never make a decision when things aren't going well. When things are going well and you're healthy, body, soul, and spirit, then make your major life decisions. And I have, that has stuck with me for the last 40 years. It's just such good advice. And so, Lord, I pray that we would never just react and then make decisions that later we regret. But instead, Lord, we would seek the counsel of godly counselors. We, uh, you know, purpose to be biblically driven. God, that uh, we would be humble and teachable, and that we would look at this thing from a kingdom perspective, and we look at it from the use of our abilities and our giftedness lot. And these things would become factors, Lord, that drive us to making good life dis, uh, decisions, Lord, that, that magnify you. That's our hope and our goal, Lord. So would you bless the people of Grace Point this way? Would you fill them with the person of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, I pray? Uh, would you put your words on our minds? Would you surround us with godly counselors, Lord, so that uh, we come to good biblical uh, decisions that are full of wisdom instead of foolishness, Lord? I pray these things in your name, Jesus, and by your blood. And all God's people said,